Luke 4, verses 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the, days of, in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land, and Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Karen, thank you so much for reading for us once again. And good morning, church family. Let's just commit this time to the Lord and ask for his blessing and for his help. Lord, as we come to your word, we want to humble ourselves to acknowledge that without your Holy Spirit, we are absolutely unable to grasp and understand what it is that you want to say to us through your word. So Holy Spirit, come presence yourself among us. Soften our hearts, open our minds, and guide us as we make our way through your written word. In Jesus' name, Amen. So today we are picking up from where we left last Sunday. We continue considering who Jesus is. Last Sunday we saw a clash between two great forces, good and evil, God and Satan. And at the heart of this clash was and is the identity of Jesus. Is Jesus who he says he is? 
Now, in three of the temptations that the devil posed to Jesus, twice he says to him, if you are the son of God, suggesting that he could be something else. And then he goes on to tempt Jesus so that he shows disobedience, disloyalty and doubt to God. But we saw that Jesus remained resolute to stand and face this great enemy. And as Jesus stands, he proves that he is truly the son of God and that he is God's rescuing king and God's suffering servant. So today we're going further in our discovery of who Jesus is. We come this morning to what is known the manifesto of Jesus, which is the summary of the message of Jesus. It's a very significant part of our discovery of who Jesus is and why he came. Now, Luke makes this manifesto very prominent in his gospel. Both Mark, Matthew and Mark, they also have recorded the manifesto, but they put it somewhere in the middle of their narrative. But Luke brings it closer, he brings it early in his gospel, he brings it at the beginning of Jesus' public ministry to make the point that this is very important for his followers to grasp who Jesus is and why he came. So here are the important things that we need to just remember as we begin our way here about the importance of the manifesto of Jesus. One, it gives us a proper assessment of who Jesus is. Secondly, it helps us to align ourselves and align our energies behind Jesus' mission here on earth. You see, because unless we understand properly what he claims to come to, to have come to do, we can't fully grasp who he is and what is his mission. Now, the key message of our reading this morning is that Jesus came to announce God's favor, the year of God's favor. We are told that he went to the temple, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, and as his custom, he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet of Isaiah was handed to him. And he unrolled it and he found a place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and, and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Jesus. So he went to the temple and he read a portion of scripture from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. 
Now, people over the years have struggled to understand what Jesus meant when he read those words. Some have taken it to be a special message to a socioeconomic grouping. And therefore, for them, it literally means good news to the poor. Others have a more political idea behind these words. They've seen it as a kind of election manifesto or an endorsement for the liberation on behalf of the oppressed minority. And then the third group have always spiritualized it away. But we need to understand who are the poor, both in the Gospel of Luke and in the book of Isaiah, where this narrative we've read is originating from. And as soon as we understand who are the poor, then we understand who is this message is meant for. And immediately we, we, we discover as we follow Luke's narrative of Jesus that the poor are not those who are materialistically needy. They are not those who are materialistically hard up. But the poor are those who are poor in spirit because of their relationship with God is on the rocks. They have not given God a second thought. So that's, that's how we are to understand this manifesto, that when he says he has come to bring good news to the poor, he is not necessarily referring to those who are materialistically poor, but to those who are spiritually poor because they have rejected God. Now in verses 18 we are told that he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The year when the Lord reaches out and brings in. When the Lord includes those who seem to have been left out. The year of the Lord's favor is a technical term in the scriptures and is rooted back in the Old Testament. And it's called the year of Jubilee. Now it's background. The background of the year of Jubilee comes from the people who lived in small families. And at some point in their living, they have a bad year in their crop. They can't harvest anything. And because they have a bad year in their crop, they then have to take a loan. The next year comes, things have not changed for them. Nothing has changed for better for them. Then they, they can't repay the loan that they have taken. So what they need to do, they need to send someone to work for the lender. And before you know it, they now have to sell part of their property. And it's easy for them to discover themselves stuck in this poverty trap. Well, the good news is once in a lifetime, once in every 50 years, there was a year of Jubilee. That's the context of this year of the Lord's favor. It's drawn from that historical part of the Old Testament where the poor, the bottom of the pile, were to be reached out and be helped during this year of Jubilee. It is the year 
when the people would return to their families from where they came from. It is a year when the properties would be given back to their original owners. It's a wonderful picture of grace. A picture of help for those who find themselves helpless. Now let's listen to Jesus as he speaks here. He says, I have come to bring that year, to bring the year of Jubilee, to announce Jubilee for those who find themselves outcast and they've been taken over and they can't help themselves. Now, who is mostly happy at the thought of Jubilee? Obviously, are the poor. They are those who are poor, who have, take, who, have, who have everything taken away from them because they can't help themselves. Surely then, naturally, they are the ones who will be happy at the thought of the year of Jubilee. But in reality, we are all poor and we are all in spiritual debt. Our debt year by year is piling up and it is impossible for you and I to pay it. And once in every eternity or once in eternity, it's promised that God will declare jubilee for us. Debt will be cancelled. Liberty will be ushered in. And life will go back to God's people. An inheritance, a place with God himself will be available for us. It is the year of Jubilee. And Jesus says he has come to proclaim, to trumpet, to preach this year of Jubilee, this year of grace. That's how we are to understand the year of the Lord's favor. It's when God decides to include in his family. It's when God opens up the, the gates for those who have been outcast to come in. Now, one of the climax in all of the Gospels comes when Jesus goes to the cross. The day of atonement when Jubilee is announced for all. On that day, we are told that there was this dying thief who was also hanged with Jesus, the self-confessed criminal, who said by himself in his own word, he deserved nothing from this world except to be hanged on the cross. He's got nothing from his past to bargain with, to negotiate with. And he's got nothing worth to talk about and bring to negotiate for, for his future. So he throws himself on God's mercy. He turns to Jesus and he says to him, remember me in paradise or in your kingdom. And to his astonishment and his amazement, he discovers his jubilee. Today with me in paradise. So this is good news to the poor, good news to the helpless, good news for the sinners, good news for all, and good news 
for now. The year of the Lord's favor. Now there's something for us to note as we continue with our passage. That as the scroll was brought to Jesus, he quoted from the prophet Isaiah. And here is how Isaiah actually said the words. Here is how he finishes them. He says, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of God. Now let's go to our passage which we read in verses 19. Did you notice something that Jesus stops at mid-sentence? He doesn't include the bit about God's vengeance and judgment. He says, simply says, to proclaim the year of God's favor. He doesn't include God's vengeance and God's judgment. And John in his gospel explains what the point Jesus is making here in these following words. He says, for God did not send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So as Jesus says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and he rolled the scroll and he sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him to hear what he was going to say. And guess what he said? He began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Not tomorrow, not somewhere later on in, in, in the coming of the Lord. Today, as you hear this scripture, it is being fulfilled in your hearing. That servant that we read about, that good news bringer, is here with you today, is the one who is sitting with you, with you today. This is amazing news for you and I today. That even 2020 is the year of the Lord's favor. You're probably asking yourself, are you sure about that, Seer? Yes. You see, because when Jesus came in his first coming, he came to save. And when he comes next, he will come to judge. And so the time in between his comings is the year of God's favor. It is the time when God's mercy can still be reached. It is the time when God can still include when his grace is accessible to all of us. So even 2020 is the year of the Lord's favor. With its all challenges, it is still the year in which you and I can still access God's grace. It is the time for you and I that we can still access his favor. So it's good news for the poor. That includes you and I. It's good news for the helpless. Those who find themselves outcast. It's good news for all. It's good news for now. But note something that Luke does or Jesus does. Is that this is good news that are inclusive. They are not tribal. They are not only for the in crowd. 
they are not only for those who came from the right and good schools. They are the news for everyone. From verses 22 to the end, that's what Jesus tells them. As they're getting excited with an idea that Jesus is the son of Joseph. In other words, he's their local boy. Jesus changes the atmosphere by saying the prophet is not welcome in his own home. What I'm here to announce today is inclusive of the Gentiles as well. And we are told that the story ended in violence as they could not take the idea that they could be not be part of Jesus' meal because they think they qualify on the basis of the tribe they came from. But Jesus came not only for the in crowd, not only for the right tribe, but he came for those who have been neglected and isolated as well. And that's something you and I need to learn about God's grace. That God's grace brings in the outsider as well. The outsider is included in the story of God. It's good news for the poor. It's good news for the helpless. It's good news for all. It's good news for now. But it's good news that are not tribal. What are you doing as a child of God to embrace this mission of Jesus that is inclusive of all people? Who are the people within your circle of friendship who may not necessarily be the part of the in crowd, who may not necessarily coming from the right tribe? Who are the people in your circle of friendship? That in a way, you are showing to them the mission of Jesus, the mission that is inclusive, and the gospel that includes all people. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, the captives, the helpless. They are all part of God's scope of salvation. Let's take this gospel and take it further beyond our own boundaries, our social boundaries and our social classes and bring it to those who also need it. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, we confess that Often we have been polarized in our understanding of your mission. We have fallen on either of the extremes. Maybe we thought this message is for those who are materialistically poor. And therefore we chanted this idea and revolution of only focusing to those who are materialistically poor. But on the other hand, we may have politicized this message or even only spiritualized it. But Lord, you want us to carry both the 
gospel aspect of it that is inclusive of all. That all of us are poor in spirit because we have rejected you and we continue to reject you. And your gospel is not only for the in crowd, but it's for those who may have been regarded as outsiders. So Lord, we ask you to help us to take it forward, even beyond the boundaries of our social standards. In Jesus' name, amen.